Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. to Daybreak Devotions from the McLeansville Baptist Church with Pastor Mike Barnett and Pastor Corey Cantrell. Good morning to all, and thank you for being with us today. Would you like to say good morning before I rant? Yeah, good morning to everybody that is listening, and good morning to you as well. Thank you. Now I want to rant a little bit. i got to get something off my chest. I was listening to the opening there, some golden daybreak. Man, what has happened to music like that and songs like that? It just brought back. I was sitting here thinking, man, that's what it's all about. Some go. Th- we are we are serving and we are pushing on and we are conquering in the name of the Lord until He comes, and then someday the battles will be over. Now contrast that with a song I heard playing yesterday. I won't say when and where and how, but I heard the group, and I don't even know what the group is, and they sing. They're really good singers, and I don't want to make fun, but look, I just got to make the point. Jubilee's a coming, it's a coming in the morning. What a happy time it's going to be. Jubilee. And I mean, I'm sitting there, I listened to that. At first, it caught me because I've heard that song a lot through my life. And then I sat there and listened to the lyrics of that song, and I said, This is pathetic theology, and it is ignoring the reality of what life here on this earth is. Yes. Now, somebody listening might say, Well, I don't understand. Both songs are talking about going to heaven. No, one song is talking about persevering in the fight, the war. The Sataning started, yeah, and it is the battle over the souls of men that you and I are to be employed full time in. I don't care who you are, pastors, preachers, truck drivers, dog catchers. I don't care, butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers. We are regents of the king in the kingdom. And the other songs talking about man, just hold on, just hold on. One day it's all gonna be old. We're gonna be in heaven, man. We're gonna wear crowns and play harps and we're just gonna have a big old time. Yep. But if you take, you know, from some golden daybreak, which I'd never heard the song, and I was actually gonna mention, you know, we're we're now starting our third week of this broadcast. This song is is rapidly becoming a a, a favorite of mine. Where, you know, it talks about how he'll come and break through the gloom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love how it, it calls out this this life is full of gloom and difficult days and, and darkness and heartache. And we don't, you know, throw a Band-Aid on that like, ah, it ain't that bad, you know. it, Boy, serving Jesus is, boy, it's all cupcakes and roses. No, it's not either. And nobody, nobody will say that, but the average Christian, I told you I was going to go on a rant. The average Christian, and, and, and I've, stay with me, listener, I'm not throwing stones here, okay? Well, I will in a minute. I'll, I'll tell you where the fault lies because God's been working on my heart about mm-hmm. this, and we've talked about it. But the average Christian today is middle-class American. I'm talking about Christians in this country. I'm not—look, there are places where people are serving Christ, and they're in the battle every single yes. day. Around here, we're living our cush little lives on our middle-class salaries, taking our vacations, driving our nice cars, suffering for Jesus, we say. Why? Because we come to church three times a week because we went on a mission trip or we, you know, we, we, whatever. Yep. But then we just live our lives because why? Jesus did it all. All we got to do is just hang on until, you know, he comes and then we're going to have our harps and our crowns and jubilees are coming. Okay. So where's the fault lie? I'm going to tell you where the fault lies. For all the pastors and preachers out there, I want you to listen right now if you haven't already turned me off because I love you. I'm not against you. 
We're not on each other. We're not enemies. But God tells us where the fault lies. Hosea chapter 4. Boy, the Lord helped me with that yesterday morning. Um, pulled me into that through, by the way, through Psalm 100. And I ain't got time to get into all that. we got another topic we're starting today. But i got to finish the rant. And I'll tell you where the, the problem lies. In Hosea 4, God said to all the people, he said, look, I've got a problem. This is what's going on among you. This is what I'm seeing. You're not fooling me. You're, you're playing games. You got religion down real good. But you come to, I'm going to put it in our vernacular, you come to church, you sing in the choir, you deacon, you pastor, you do all the things, but then you leave and you go back and you live just like everybody else does. There is no heart for me anywhere. Now, let me tell you who I'm pointing out. This is still God. It's the preacher's fault. He says in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, and it's the priest's fault. In our vernacular today, it's the preacher's fault, the pastor's fault, because you're giving the people what they like, little entertainment, little pat on the back, little shot of encouragement, yeah. little jubilees are coming, hallelujah, amen. And then we just turn people loose, and they go back to all the worldliness, and they live defeated lives, or they live apathetic, dull lives. They plop on their easy boys and couches and tune into their Netflix and, and punch their time clocks or live out the last days of retirement just wondering what life was all about. Yep. I got news for you, friend. I invite you. Come on over. Let's get involved in something. I could use some help, some allies. Man, well, okay, I'm done ranting. Well, you take over. What we want to be is the opposite of what so many of, of the church is heaping to themselves. And I, you'll have to correct me what book of the Bible, I, I believe, I want to say James, where it talks about how they oh, yeah. heap to themselves teachers mm. having itching ears. Well, that's that's uh, Paul saying to Timothy. Okay. The, the context of that is we have something that we want to hear, but our human flesh, what we need to hear is something different than what we want to hear. And if we as preachers aren't careful... We can be far more interested in giving the people what they want to hear because then that's easier for us. But boy, it's a whole lot more of a conflict when you start entering into giving the people what they need to hear. That's not easy preaching. And what I think we're actually going to look at a little bit in our uh, discussion today is we're really good at the easy preaching, mm -hmm. the easy stuff, calling out the, the stuff that, that garners everybody the amens. Yeah, because that doesn't require anything of us. There's no sacrifice. There's no, there's no target that comes with that because people listen and they say, yeah, that's what I want to hear. But as soon as we enter into a deeper walk with the Lord, now we're entering into the enemy's territory, and you can bet there's going to come some shots and some fiery darts that way. And that explains why I was troubled over Psalm 100 that says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And I was stopped in my tracks reading that saying, Lord, why, why is this not a reality in people's lives? People don't come to church rejoicing in you and full of gladness and singing with joy unto right. the Lord. They don't do it. Why? And the next verse says, Know ye that the Lord he is God. Well, there's the answer. They don't know. They just don't know. I had a pastor friend ask me just yesterday, said, do you, how many preachers, how many pastors do you think if they were to stumble across truth, and that's not, a, that's not even the way he said it, but I guess he said if they were to discover truth that suddenly jerked the traditions they've lived and ran and ministered off of out from under them, how many of them would be willing to change and risk losing their job? Well, the answer to that question is everybody who thinks of it as their job Number one, they probably got into it on the traditional track. Right. So there's that. that's all they know. 
And likely change is not something that's going to be invited and welcomed because it'll cost you your job. What do we call that? What, what did Jesus call that? A hireling. A hireling, John chapter 10. Friends, we, I'm, I'm still talking to preachers. We're almost 10 minutes into this thing, and, and, and we ain't got to your topic. But I'm saying to the pastors out there, if anybody's listening, you know, we got to stop that kind of stuff. We've got we to gotta push back against that because the people of God in this country are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. They're being, they're being pacified on the pew to sleep. And we call it like this great service of God because we're, we're running all over the place having meetings, bless God, and we're promoting ourselves. We're not promoting Jesus. We're using the name of Jesus to promote ourselves. Now, something's got to change. Absolutely. But I'm done for the third time. I really am done, and I know that we've got a topic we want to get on today. We do. And I'll have to say, as I was sitting here listening, I think everything that we've discussed is going to parlay quite nicely into that because— what we're going to be looking at is the the ultimate failure of King Saul, because I think we're, uh, the direction that we want to go on the broadcast is we want to get into the life of King David a little bit and, and to be able to, to glean some things, because there's so much about the heart and the life of David. Now, David was not a perfect man. He made a lot of mistakes, but there is one thing about it. I don't know that there is a fallen man example in Scripture that better emulates a person that had a heart for God than King David. The old saying, failing forward. Yes. When he failed, he fell into. He fa- his failings was a falling into God. Yes, because he understood God is my only source. He, he is my everything. I don't know that there is a better, like I said, fallen man example in Scripture that better represents God is my everything than King David. But before we can get into diving into King David, we've got to see what got him into that position at the beginning that we did. And ultimately, we find that in King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter number 15. And we'll go there in just a moment. We're going to have a song. But right before the song, now that I've recollected myself and got into what we're doing here, so we're going to have a song in just a moment by the Lamar family. But I wanted to make mention of starting this week, you should be able to find today, we have now created a podcast version of our radio program, which is separate from this. And I don't want to say the wrong things or describe it the wrong way or try to explain the hows and ends and what's the wrong way. But basically, it's the Daybreak Devotions podcast. And you can find that on the podcast listing venues. But you can explain that and then go ahead and introduce the song. Yeah, so what we're doing is we're, we're taking each daily broadcast and we will upload it into the podcast format. Now, there'll be some stuff that, that we'll remove and some things that we'll have to change because of all of the wonderful world of red tape and legality issues. But by and large... And we, we don't want to violate that with our host, yes, WPET, absolutely. Truth Network. And so, and so we, we've got to be respectful of the laws of the land. Um, and so there will be, there'll be some modifications and some changes, but the devotional content, the, the words from Scripture, all of that uh, that we discuss here on air will be available. So maybe you miss one day and we're in the middle of a discussion or maybe you want to go back and revisit something, you can find that however it is that you come about your podcast. There are so many different sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. But one of the easiest things, if you're new to the podcasting world, we'll have a link available on our church website, mcclainsvillebaptistchurch.com. There will be a page up at the top that says Daybreak Devotions. You can click on there, and it'll be able to route you straight through to the podcast site. It's where you can go, and you can you can sort through and, and pick one, queue it up to listen to it. You can do it from your computer, your cell phone, anything like that. And uh, we're excited about being able to share that with all of you. And hopefully 
get some more listeners, maybe those that you're not able to tune in one day, but you want to keep keep going with, with what we're talking about, and so we'll have that available for you real soon. And you can just look for Sergeant Carter for oh, that yeah. link. Yes, Sergeant, somewhere in the link, Sergeant Carter will be on. There. Oh, Sergeant Carter will be there That's in full rooster. force, and and you can write us, uh, give us some feedback at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com. That's right, and so we'll look forward to hearing from you soon. So before we get into our discussion for the day, we've got a great song queued up from the Lamar family. Be thou my vision. What a prayer. That should be the hope and the goal of every child of God, is that the Lord would be our vision. And lest you say, well, that's that's obvious. Of course the Lord is my vision. I think one of the things that we're going to see today is that, you know, it, it's possible to be a person of God. Is that the is that the right terminology? I mean, a child of God, but a, fo- a follower. A human of God? Yeah. A man or a woman? Yeah. You know, a, a person of God that's, that's, yeah, of course I love God, but it, it clearly not be that 
the Lord is our vision. He is our direction. And I think, you know, we're, we'll probably be on the topic that we're on today and, and the direction for some time because it's just such a, a big and a heavy topic. But I have been in my, my own personal reading here lately in the book of First and Second Samuel, um, really gleaning a lot in comparing and contrasting these, these two first kings of Israel, King Saul and King David, and, and what a contrast that they are. Mm. King Saul, I mean, he, he looked like it. He looked the part, head and shoulders above everybody else. I mean, when you saw him, he, he no doubt was, was clean cut, the nicest suit. I mean, he, had, he was it. He exemplified everything in a king. But his heart was not there. He did not have the heart of a king because he did not have a heart for God. Then you look at David, ruddy and of a fair countenance. I mean, young, probably a strapping youth. I mean, anybody that can kill a lion and a bear, he's not some kind of scrawny, piddly well, I don't know. person. I, I can counter that idea a little bit because, you know, it's not like he was a big guy fighting Goliath. He What he did is he fought dirty. Well... I mean, I, just just say it plain. I, I guess that's true. I guess he didn't get true. in close. He, he threw a rock. He threw a rock. <laughs> but he, like an Ernest T. Bass approach. <laughs> he could sure chunk a rock. But he definitely wouldn't have been the type that when you looked at that you would have said, ah, he's going to be somebody. But the difference was David had a heart for God. And so I think that's going to be one of the, the ultimate objectives of our discussion over the next several days. But we've got to start with Saul's ultimate failure. And we see that in 1 Samuel 15 because this, I think a lot of times, maybe growing up, I thought, man, that, that kind of seems pretty harsh judgment that God is going to call down on King Saul for what was ultimately one mistake. But what I have learned over my years is this one mistake was just kind of the spotlight of all of Saul's failures. It, it highlighted what was the ultimate problem with King Saul. And in 1 Samuel uh, chapter number 15, verse number 1, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Talim, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. So Saul, he gets ready. Samuel gives him very clear instructions. That's not the words of Samuel. This isn't just counsel from, from a man saying, hey, Saul, this would be a good idea. This is clear direction from the Lord. I remember Amalek. I'm going to judge Amalek. So Saul, you are going to be my one that I am entrusting to bring this judgment. Verse number 7. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag the king of the excuse me, he took Agag the king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse, that they utterly destroyed. 
And I think that last statement in verse number nine really caught my attention and, and I thought would springboard very nicely into this discussion. Saul and the people had no problem doing the obvious. God gave them instruction, go down, smite the Amalekites. They went down and they utterly destroyed everything that was vile and refuse. So they would have shunned pornography, uh, marijuana, yep. whiskey. Sure, because where we, where we need to see today, so the Amalekites are, are typically viewed as a type of the flesh in the mm-hmm. Old Testament. When you read Amalek, it's the constant war in the life of the believer of the flesh. And so if we're going to draw that parallel, what God told Saul to do in our terms was, you need to crucify your flesh. You need to put it to death. You need to get rid of the flesh. And Saul goes, as we as believers so many times do, and crucifies the easy stuff. The stuff that doesn't require anything out of us. Bless God, homosexuality is wicked and wrong in the sight of God. Amen. Well, we don't struggle with that. That's an easy one. Although, and I'm jumping ahead of you, but you're using a great illustration, and I think it's worth countering that point with, the problem is when when someone gets up and just bashes homosexuality as, bless God, we don't believe in that, that's wrong unto God. Hey, man, hey, man, preacher. And yet we refuse to consider the possibility that some brother or sister sitting in that congregation is struggling with that sin. Yes. And we're not ministering to them. We're not helping that soul. Right. Because the instruction from God was not go and destroy the vile and the refuse and the stuff that even in our human eyes we can rationalize as filthy, vile, and wrong. The instruction from God was all of this is wrong. It all needs judge, even the stuff that to you looks good mm-hmm. and that looks acceptable. No, you've got to kill all of it. And Saul reveals his heart here. He reveals that he was not spirit-led, but rather he was led by his human logic. And I think one of the things that used to always baffle me was how Saul could be so completely oblivious. When Samuel shows up and Saul is, I mean, he is in full-fledged celebration mode. Samuel, this is great. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Let's sacrifice. Let's worship. Look at this great victory that God has wrought. And Samuel shows up and basically, in a nutshell, says, Saul, God's pretty upset with you. Sounds a little bit like Matthew 7 that we referred to, uh, was it Friday's broadcast? You know, they they stand before Jesus saying, Lord, look at all these great things we did. And he says, what? What? I, I you workers of iniquity? Yeah. You you've not done what I have expected you to do is we you know we we're coming off of the back of our will of God discussion. And God's will is do what he's asked you to do. Mm-hmm. Don't add to it. Don't remove from it. Just do it. And we focus so many times on the stuff that we can't understand or that that might be a mystery of God, and we conveniently ignore what is clear-cut. This is some of the most clear instruction in all of Scripture because when, when Samuel says, slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass, kill all of them. Well, that's not going to make you very popular. Not at all. It'll make you right with God, but it won't make you very popular. Yeah. So, so then how the justification of, okay, well, I kept the good stuff and I'm going to sacrifice it because I think that's what, I, what I've seen with, with Saul. 
He follows human logic, but then he hides behind religion. Mm-hmm. Well, Samuel, I did this because we were going to sacrifice this good stuff for the Lord. Look, we kept the king kind of as a trophy for God. And God doesn't need our trophies. He doesn't need our sacrifices. Um, I believe it's it's Psalm 50 that, that talks about um, how... How God's yeah, not He wants He wants our heart. Yeah, He's not interested in, in our in our sacrifices and in our rituals and, and all of that. He ain't hungry. He don't need it. The 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 reality, what he needs is he needs the hearts of his people to be given wholly to him. Yeah. You you've you put two things together very well there that I think capture a lot of what is the problem in, in our modern American church. It's it's human logic. With it's the logic, it's logical religion. Yes, I, I, that's a great. I, maybe term. we should think about it. Make sure that actually is the right way to say it. But it's like my logic, what makes sense to me, based on what I believe. Yes, you know, I heard a preacher say, and and I'll say this quickly, and let you get back. But I heard a preacher say a lot of people take God's word like they take those little um, agreements that pop up on the screen when you download software onto your computer. <laughs> And you don't yeah. read it. You just scroll to the bottom and click, I accept. Yeah. And that's what people do. Oh, yeah, I believe that. I believe the Bible's God's word. Well, how much have you read it? They haven't. They're not. You know what really, though, is the problem? It's the preachers aren't reading it. The preachers are reading it to get an outline, to get a message that the people will enjoy that will make them popular, and hopefully they'll get booked for another meeting because somebody will hear them on Facebook Live, and yeah. they'll get a chance to fill their calendar up. And all the while, the people of God are suffering and dying because we don't care. Because we're keeping the goodly parts of Amalek. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote this down as I, as I was thinking through this. I said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Does not happen so long as we cling to the goodly parts of Amalek. We must remember, as Paul said, that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Mm. When God says we must crucify our flesh, he means all of it. And that is what has gotten us into trouble. We have cherry-picked our fleshly crucifixions. We've said, well, obviously this has to go because it's wicked and vile. But this, this part of me, this makes me look good. This garnishes me prestige. This is the parts of me that causes people to look at me and give me honor. And that's the problem. That's what God is wanting to root out of us. Because it's not me. It's not about me. And if something in my life is drawing attention to me, it needs to be removed so that it can be replaced with something in my life that gives attention to God. Can I do the honors of closing this? Absolutely. So when God says to Samuel around 1 Samuel 13, Samuel, I'm done with Saul. And Saul says, oh, I failed, I failed. And what, you know, and he just kind of gets into this feeling down. And God says, whoa, 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 Samuel, the Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be the captain over his people. And between 13 and 15, it gets revealed just how how unfit Saul is because he simply just will not follow God. And so that takes us into where you're wanting to go at some point. But 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on the countenance of of Shammah and Eliab and all of David's brothers or the height of their stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, Folks, God is looking at your heart. He sees the good. He sees your love. But he also, friends, sees our pride and our failure to obey. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. 
We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.